Well, welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you on the evening of February 12th, 2022, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And, uh, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now, the last thing that I wanted to do is take time out to rant about nuclear power. Not even nuclear weapons, but nuclear power. Because that was a fight that I thought that we had won more than a generation ago. And now it looks like we're going to have to fight it all over again. You know, it's a great sense of personal frustration for me because, you know, way back when, back in the early 1980s, I cut my teeth as an activist opposing nuclear power even blockading nuclear power plants, as I did at the Diablo Canyon plant in California, repeatedly. I mean, the threat that was posed by nuclear weapons and, critically, nuclear power was really what, you know, was, was critical to getting me politicized and understanding the inherent contradictions of capitalism, a system that puts, to reverse the slogan of the anti-nuclear movement, profits before people. People Before Profits was the slogan of the movement back in the day. And now I'm even hearing from, you know, greens and lefties spouting all of this, you know, industry line talk about how, um, you know, nuclear power can be safe and it's, a, it's actually, it's a positive alternative to, uh, to fossil fuels and it's necessary to fight climate change, etc., etc., etc. And it looks like we're going to have to fight this battle all over again. After we had won... I mean, it wasn't just the wave of activism back in the day where, uh, you know, every time they tried to uh, put on a, uh, a new power plant online, such as, you know, uh, in that same period, Diablo Canyon in California, which, you know, ultimately we lost and that did go critical. That reactor went online and they just recently shut it down after, you know, more than a generation of functioning. The uh, Shoreham plant on uh, Long Island here in New York, uh, we actually did succeed in defeating. That never did uh, begin operation. I think the reactor actually did go critical, but it never actually went online in the sense of producing electricity. And now it's been mothballed. But the, uh, you know, the massive protest at every new nuclear power plant that they tried to open were part of what succeeded in defeating the industry, along with, you know, its own unsound economics and pension for cost overruns and so on. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things about living under capitalism is that there are, as long as we're living under capitalism, there aren't any permanent victories. You always have to be ready to fight, uh, you know, a struggle all over again. And sure enough, that's what's happening now, because the nuclear industry, you know, every few years, you see the same headlines all over again. You know, that there's going to be a nuclear renewal. There's going to be renewal of the nuclear industry. And this time it's going to be cost effective and it's going to be safe and it's going to be clean every few years like clockwork. And, you know, that's a part of the problem is that, uh, the, you know, the new generation doesn't remember the struggles that were waged against the nuclear industry and all the arguments that were made at the time shooting down this propaganda. So we have to make these arguments over and over and over again. Uh, the two major uh, headlines this week is, once again, we're hearing these perennial claims about fusion as opposed to 
fission power. And this time, we're actually going to make it happen. BBC News, uh, three days ago. Major breakthrough on nuclear fusion energy. We're at the, uh, the Jet Laboratory in the United Kingdom. They, the big print says, smashed their own world record for the amount of energy it can extract by squeezing together two forms of hydrogen. It's in fusion, famously, you know, the hydrogen atoms fuse as opposed to fission, the atoms split. And there's all this hype about how it doesn't produce nuclear waste, etc., etc., etc. But the problem is that, you know, every time they get a little bit closer to actually making it work, it makes headlines. But they never actually get there. And for reasons which I will explain, I hope that they never do. And the there in question is actually getting, uh, you know, a fusion reactor to produce more energy than it consumes. This is the holy grail that they still have not been able to reach. So, you know, as the old joke goes, it looks to me like nuclear fusion energy has a brilliant future, and it always will. <laughs> okay, then the, uh, the really maddening news is that the, uh, the European Union has just certified nuclear power as quote-unquote green energy. Now, this just makes my blood boil. Okay, reading from The Verge tech news website. In controversial news, EU says nuclear power and gas can be green investments. The European Commission inflamed tensions over what role nuclear energy and gas should play in the clean energy transition. Where did the proposed new rules today, today being February 2nd, on what can be labeled a, quote, green investment. After more than a year of heated debate, it decided to consider natural gas and nuclear power, quote, unquote, sustainable under certain conditions. And those uh, conditions for nuclear power are so-called stringent safety standards which, once again, is the same thing we've been hearing for generations. And is only looking at the question in terms of accident risk, which is a very, very real consideration, without a doubt, but far from the only one with nuclear power, as we shall see. And uh, this announcement from the European Commission has set off a little propaganda war between Germany, which is actually doing the right thing and phasing out nuclear power, and France, which is absolutely committed to nuclear power and is just, you know, continuing to go whole hog. So here we go again. It seems, you know, every few years we have to, uh, you know, just run through the basics once again. So here goes. Every stage of the nuclear cycle is inherently ecocidal and genocidal. Uranium mining has poisoned the lands of indigenous peoples from Navajo country of the United States Southwest to the lands of the Saskatchewan Cree in northern Canada to the lands of the Tuareg in West Africa, former French colonies where French companies are still mining uranium for French nuclear reactors. In all of these cases, leaving a legacy of cancer, birth defects, and destroyed traditional ways of life. Now, I've never been to Saskatchewan, and I've never been to West Africa, but I have visited Navajo country. 
I've actually seen the communities where Navajo small farmers and goat herders had to be relocated, abandoning their traditional way of life after their ancestral lands were poisoned by the Church Rock uranium mill spill on the banks of the uh, Rio Puerco in New Mexico in 1979. In all of the debate about the pros and cons of nuclear energy, these are the people who bear the costs of the very beginning of the nuclear cycle, when the uranium is dug out of the ground, and they are utterly forgotten and overlooked in the debate. Continuing to follow the nuclear cycle, the ongoing functioning of nuclear plants entails routine emissions of radioactive gases, factored in by the bureaucrats in determining acceptable, quote-unquote, levels of cancer and birth defects. You don't have to wait for an accident to happen. You're being poisoned by nuclear power every day, especially if you live in the vicinity of a plant. Then there is disposal of the waste and the retired reactor sites themselves, a problem that inherently defies solution. Nuclear waste, including the decommissioned reactor sites, will be deadly for far, far longer into the future than biblical times stretch into the past. Exponentially longer. Now take just for example the U.S. Energy Department's Waste Isolation Pilot Project, known as the WIP, in Carlsbad, New Mexico, which I actually um, visited and wrote about as a journalist when it was under construction back in the 1990s. The story is still actually online at um, consortiumnews.com under the uh, rather whimsical title, Weirder Than Roswell, Nuclear Waste in New Mexico, (laughs) because uh, actually the the whip in Carlsbad, New Mexico, is uh, right down US 285 from Roswell, where, you know, supposedly there was, uh, you know, a... uh, an an alien saucer crash back in 1947. And uh, when I actually, uh, when I was going down to Carlsbad to write about the nuclear waste dump, I had to pass through Roswell. And it just happened to be the 50th anniversary, 1997, of the supposed saucer crash. And there was, you know, this whole hoopla, you know, lots of traffic in and out of Roswell. All of these, you know, conspiracy freaks were descending on the place to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the supposed alien saucer crash. And uh, basically what I was saying in my little whimsical lead for this story is you guys are actually missing the real sinister government conspiracy. It isn't that Roswell, it's 100 miles down the highway in Carlsbad. Never mind the 1947 saucer crash. You should be looking at the, you know, 1997 opening of the uh, waste isolation pilot plant. It actually opened two years after I was there. It opened in uh, 1999. Now, plutonium-239, the deadliest stuff that is going to be stored at the WIP, will be dangerous for 240,000 years, 10 times P-239's 24,000-year half-life by the rule of thumb. Yet the EPA and the Energy Department are only assessing the safety of the Carlsbad site for 10,000 years. This is an arbitrary figure 
having nothing to do with the decay of radioactivity. And even worse, the government is only going to maintain, quote, active institutional control, unquote, of the site for 100 years. And this is assuming, of course, that the U.S. government survives another century, which I certainly do not take for granted. After that, there is to be no ongoing oversight of the Waste Isolation Pilot Project. It's just essentially going to be abandoned. So, active institutional control, quote-unquote, for the first 100 years of the 240,000 years that the site is going to be deadly. Now, the whip opened, as I say, in 1999. The first leak, when plutonium was detected a half mile outside the facility, was in February 2014. In other words, it didn't even make it 13 years without leaking. And the whip is designed to handle but one class of nuclear waste, the so-called transuranics. Waste is still being stored on site at plants across the country. Both U.S. Energy Department plants involved in the production of nuclear weapons, such as Los Alamos, New Mexico, Hanford, Washington State, Savannah River in South Carolina, and the privately owned commercial plants producing electricity. Here are some sobering news stories for you. This one from uh, The Guardian of last August 24th. More than 2 million visitors flock each year to California's San Onofre State Beach, a dreamy slice of coastline just north of San Diego. The beach is popular with surfers, lies across one of the largest Marine Corps bases in the United States, and has a 10,000-year-old sacred Native American site nearby. It even landed a shout-out in the Beach Boys' 1963 classic, Surfin' USA. But for all the good vibes and stellar sunsets, beneath the surface hides a potential threat. 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste from a group of nuclear reactors shut down nearly a decade ago. Decades of political gridlock have left it indefinitely stranded, susceptible to threats, including corrosion, earthquakes, and sea level rise. The San Onofre reactors are among dozens across the United States that are being phased out, but experts say they at best represent the uncertain future of nuclear energy. Gee, there's a nice little bit of understatement or euphemism. Another story from uh, the Del Mar Times of the same vicinity, also last August. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors has joined a coalition headed by Southern California Edison, the operator of the now-shuttered San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station, to lobby for federal government action to find an avenue to remove 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste from the plant. The board on August 16th voted 5-0 to zero to allocate as much as $100,000 to participate in Action for Spent Fuel Solutions Now, an initiative that calls for moving the waste, also known as spent fuel, to a federally licensed facility as quickly as possible. Except there isn't any place to put it. I believe that these wastes, by and large, are not the so-called transuranics, which were supposed to go to the whip, and as we can see, things are not going very well at the whip. And the other 
nuclear waste repository that the uh, federal government was uh, preparing at Yucca Mountain in Nevada was mothballed by uh, Obama to his credit, partially in response to protests from the local Western Shoshone indigenous people whose land was going to serve as the nation's nuclear waste dump once again. Out of sight, out of mind, indigenous people bearing the brunt of this poison. So basically, they don't know where to put it. Continuing to produce this stuff, continuing to produce nuclear waste is monstrously irresponsible and basically constitutes a massive fuck you to all of human posterity. Okay, and then finally, there is the sexiest issue, so to speak, the one that actually does get some media play, at least, the risk of accident. It is a mark of capitalism's inherent depravity that even after the nightmares of Fukushima and Chernobyl, we are still hearing all of this talk about, you know, a renewal of the nuclear industry. What short memories? It's like it didn't even happen. And all of these years later, the, nu- the, the, the nuclear accident at Chernobyl was in 1986, and that land is still poison. It was just in the news recently that, in, you know, the threat of a Russian invasion of Ukraine now, the Russian military is going to have to, you know, chart their line of march in the event of an actual invasion of Ukraine in such a way as to, uh, you know, skirt the radioactive zone around Chernobyl after all of these years. And, and it's just beginning. We're just, you know, the smallest little fraction into the amount of time that that land is going to be radioactive. And Fukushima and Chernobyl are just, you know, the biggest and best known. Does anybody even remember Three Mile Island today? That's what really got me uh, mobilized as an anti-nuclear activist, you know, when I was still in high school. The radiation leak from the uh, Three Mile Island plant in Pennsylvania in March of 1979, which was nothing compared to Chernobyl and Fukushima, but rightly sparked all of this outrage and and mobilized a mass movement against nuclear power. And as I say, we succeeded in stopping the expansion of the industry, but if our demand for a shutdown of all functioning nuclear plants worldwide had been honored, we could have been spared the subsequent disasters. But Fukushima and Chernobyl were just the biggest and best known. There are virtually ongoing lesser leaks, like the one which happened just last August, which I'll bet you didn't even hear about in Taishan, China, which, you know, the authorities were being very, very hush-hush about in terms of how much radiation was released. But they did close the reactor, a so-called unscheduled shutdown of the reactor due to damaged fuel rods, with authorities, you know, insisting that the uh, situation was, quote, completely under control, which is what they always say. But apparently there was a buildup of gases which had to be released into the atmosphere. And interestingly, just a few months prior to that, just earlier last year, China's uh, regulatory bureaucracy had actually raised the limits on the permissible levels of radiation leaked from nuclear plants before they have to be shut down. So the fact that they shut it down is not very comforting to say the least. And again, it is inherently unknowable how many cancers are caused by each such incident. 
The science tells us that there is no safe dose of radiation. In the words of Dr. Carl Z. Morgan, one of the founders of the field of radiation health physics, quote, there is no safe level of exposure and there is no dose of radiation so low that the risk of a malignancy is zero, end quote. So when the industry talks about acceptable risks, this immediately raises the question of acceptable to who? And I am utterly unimpressed with all of this endless tinkering with an inherently life-destroying technology. We're constantly being sold, you know, a quote-unquote new generation of supposedly safer nuclear reactors. Now it's the fusion reactors. This week, again, a headline which is recycled every few years and almost always turns out to be an empty promise. A few years back, it was thorium reactors, which transformed thorium into uranium rather than actually using uranium as fuel. But even if we are to unwisely take the promoters at their word that these reactors are safer than traditional ones, well, again, that isn't the only question. Now, if you actually read the small print, if you read past the headlines about uh, this supposed breakthrough with fusion energy, you'll see that, uh, for instance, that BBC report that I read from earlier, if you read deep into the article, it actually says that fusion power produces, quote, only very small amounts of short-lived radioactive waste, unquote which is different from the usual claim that you hear of no nuclear waste. Thorium reactors, contrary to the hype, still produce nuclear waste, and any mining of thorium also has impacts, including, by the way, the release of greenhouse gases, which is why this baiting of nuclear opponents as dupes of the coal lobby is so perversely ironic. Now, we should oppose mining coal and mining uranium and thorium for exactly the same damn reasons. And that goes for oil, too. Leave it all in the ground. The imperative is to get off of the extractive economy and onto one which is based on sustainability and resource conservation. Nuclear versus fossil fuels is the false choice offered us by the industry and nothing but. And uh, getting back to the WIP, the Waste Isolation Pilot Project, in the watershed of the Pecos River in southeast New Mexico, well, here's a, uh, a nice little um, conversion of dystopias for you, the nuclear dystopia and the fossil fuel dystopia. Here's a headline from uh, Albuquerque's The Paper. Data shows rise in New Mexico earthquakes likely triggered by oil industry. Wastewater injection wells are believed to be behind the significant increase in seismic activities. New Mexico's oil and gas regulators and scientists are on alert after a dramatic increase in earthquake activity in southern New Mexico, an increase likely triggered by oil and gas industry injection wells in the Permian Basin. The nation's main nuclear weapons waste storage site, the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant, WIP, lies a half mile underground in a salt formation in the middle of the New Mexican portion of the basin. 
a little north of the most recent quake activity. And more of the nation's commercial waste could be headed to this region as well. Holtec International, with support from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, wants to build a nuclear waste storage facility for up to 100,000 tons of spent nuclear fuel rods 12 miles north of the WIP, a plan opposed by New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham and others in state government. Well, thank you very much, New Mexico state government. All of these nuclear sites are surrounded by brine injection wells, the likely cause of the increased seismicity in the basin. If that does not illustrate how completely out of whack our entire civilization is, I don't know what does. From, uh, again, Albuquerque's The Paper story that ran um, last October 2021. And also very, very illustrative of how nuclear power versus fossil fuels is a false choice, if ever there has been one. I'm going to read very briefly from a, uh, a small but important little book recently published called Hoodwinked in the Hothouse. Resist False Solutions to Climate Change, just issued by a uh, consortium of activist groups, including the Global Justice Ecology Project, Indigenous Climate Action, the Indigenous Environmental Network, and others. They've got a chapter each on, you know, biofuels, megascale hydro, natural gas, and other false solutions. The entire text is online at climatefalsesolutions.org. Check it out. I'm just going to read one very brief paragraph from their discussion of nuclear power. Nuclear power makes climate change worse. Although reactors do not release very much carbon dioxide in generating electricity, nuclear power produces significant greenhouse gases, several times more than wind and solar. Mining, milling, and enriching uranium are very energy-intensive, resulting in significant greenhouse gas emissions. The construction of reactors entails a huge carbon debt due to the concrete and steel used for construction. A half-built nuclear power project in South Carolina was canceled in 2017 when its cost doubled to $25 billion. The project had already generated as much concrete and steel as building a professional football stadium. Even after a reactor closes, the decommissioning, transportation, and storage of huge volumes of radioactive waste will generate greenhouse gases for at least 10 to 20 years. End quote. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to end, uh, try to end on an optimistic note here, which is that, uh, you know, even though they polish off this nuclear renewal rhetoric every uh, few years like clockwork, it still remains mostly a bunch of empty dreams for the nuclear industry. And while it is maddening to have to, you know, shoot down this propaganda time and time and time again, I'm reasonably confident that there is not going to be any, you know, massive regeneration of the nuclear industry, you know, to the levels that we saw when there were new reactors going online all over the place back in the 1970s. Okay, now the uh, nuclear plant referenced in that uh, text that I just read, the abandoned reactors in South Carolina, referenced in the text I just read from the book Hoodwinked in the Hothouse, 
That's a reference to the Virgil summer plant, concerning which a captain of the nuclear industry may actually be doing federal prison time. Reading from Reuters of August 20th of last year, a former top executive of U.S. nuclear plant maker Westinghouse Electric Company has been charged with 16 felony counts for his alleged role in concealing cost overruns and delays that dogged the now-abandoned construction of two nuclear reactors in South Carolina that was once hailed as the start of a U.S. nuclear renaissance. (laughs) Boy, do I get a sense of schadenfreude from reading that. So far, there's only been one new nuclear reactor to go online in the United States in the 21st century. That's the Watts Bar plant in Tennessee, built by the Tennessee Valley Authority, which has also been plagued by literally generations of cost and time overruns. Meanwhile, several reactors have been shut down in recent years. Just to name a couple which are close to my neck of the woods, the Northeast, Vermont Yankee, shut down in 2014. And, uh, you know, just 30 miles up the Hudson River from where I am ranting right now, the Indian Point nuclear reactor in Westchester County, which I have been, you know, involved intermittently for, uh, you know, again, ever since I was in my early 20s (laughs) in trying to get shut down. Finally, it was uh, it was shut down. So just last year, 2021, the last reactor seized operations there. So we can uh, all of us metro area. And Hudson Valley anti-nuclear stalwarts can um, take a bow for that one. So please, everybody, just knock it off with this nuclear renewal hype. Nuclear power is no less monstrously irresponsible than continuing to go whole hog with fossil fuels. And the real challenge is to transition to an economy which is not based on consuming more and more energy each year. Even apart from eliminating the inefficiencies in the power grid and all the energy which is simply lost, we have to start thinking in terms of a no-growth, sustainable, localized economy. But that, of course, means challenging some of the fundamental precepts of capitalism, which fortunately is no longer as taboo as it used to be just a few short years ago. And there's another sign of hope. This has been Bill Weinberg with The Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org, where, as always, everything I've been ranting about is all documented and hyperlinked. Please support us on Patreon if you appreciate our work. Join The Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. Don't believe the nuclear hype. And rant on you next time.